We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi, the 11th piece in Olchus Tumas Meis. This is Perek Chaf Halacha Aleph. And Rab Chaim is going to analyze a debate between the Rambam and the Raivid regarding if an Ohel blocks the Tumah from progressing further. So we know that anything that's under the same roof as a dead body becomes Tameh. But the issue is, does the Ohel not only spread the Tumah, but also block it from progressing further? So Rab Chaim is going to analyze the different views of the Rambam and the Raivid about this. The Rambam writes, There are three things that protect in an ohel. If there's a sealed vessel, which is called tzamid psil, if there's an ohel, so there's a tent within the tent, or if something is swallowed up in something. And now the Rambam elaborates, tzamid psil ohalin, the case of a tzamid psil vessel and an ohel, they protect any inside of it from becoming Tameh, but they don't stop the Tumah from spreading beyond them. So they don't block the progress of the Tumah. And as an illustration of this halacha, the Rambam says that there's an ohel besoch ohel, there's a tent inside of a tent, the kazayis min hames ohel hapnimi, and there's a kazayis of a dead body in the inside tent, so that's the minimum measurement to create tumah. So kola kalim shiba ohel hachiton tameim, any vessels in the outside tent are tameh, because the inside tent doesn't prevent the tumah from spreading to the outside tent. So now the Ravid questions this halacha because in general we say that an ohel does block the Tumah from leaving. So the Ravid says this halacha in the Rambam has to be limited to one of two cases. Either the ohel itself became Tameh, so the inside tent became Tameh, that's why it doesn't stop the Tumah from progressing onwards, or the Ravid says it's based on Sof Tumah Latzis. The case is where the Tumah in order to exit must leave through the door of the outside Side tent. So Sof Tumalatzes, anywhere where the Tuma is eventually going to travel, also has Tuma, even if the Tuma is not there right now. So even though the inside tent does block the Tuma from going to the outside tent, based on the rule of Sof Tumalatzes, since the dead body is eventually going to exit through the outside tent, the whole outside tent is also Tameh. So basically, the Ravid is disagreeing theoretically with the Rambam that an Ohel doesn't block Tuma. According to the Ravid, the Ohel does block Tuma, but in this case, there's a different reason why the outside tent is Tameh because of Sof Tumalatzes. And the same debate happens in Halacha Vav. The Rambam says, If there's two different floors in the house, like we have a multi-story house, and there's a wall, a floor separating between them, and there's Tuma under one of the floors. So according to the Rambam, the Tuma goes up even to the higher level because the floor doesn't stop the Tuma from spreading. So even vessels in the upper floor because Ohel doesn't stop the spread of Tumah, as we explained earlier. And again, the Ravid disagrees. He says, It's known that an Ohel does prevent the spread of Tumah. It's a chatzitza, it's a barrier against the spread of Tumah. But the reason for this halacha
bracha is because of sof tumalatze. So again, the same view of the Raivid, that in general, an ohel does prevent the spread of tumah, unless it's sof tumalatze, so the tumah is going to leave through that exit, in which case it becomes tameh. And again, the Rambam repeats the same view in Chaf Dalet Beis, Bayez Shecholku Benesarim, if there's a house that was split up with boards, and the boards could be either horizontal or vertical, but basically they divided up the space of this house into different ohels, and there's tumah in one of the areas. So the Rambam rules, Kalim Shibabayis Tameim, all the vessels throughout the entire house become Tamei, She'ena Mechitza Monasa Tumah, Shelo Titamik Moshe Biarnu, because an ohel does not stop the spread of tumah, as we explained. So again, the Rambam repeats his view that an ohel does not block the progress of the tumah onwards. So even though the tumah is in one of the ohels in the house, all of the vessels throughout the entire house become Tamei. Now, these halachas come from the Mishnah in Olos, Perak Tesvav, Mishnah Dalid, but the Rambam and the Raivid disagree how to interpret the reason. They both agree about the basic halachas, but according to the Rambam, it's because an ohel does not prevent the spread of Tumah. It only protects the things inside of it from becoming Tamei, but it doesn't stop the Tumah from spreading outwards. According to the Raivid, it's because of Sof Tumah Latzes. These cases are talking about where the Tumah has to exit through the outer Ohel. So that's why it's Tameh because the body is eventually going to travel through it. Now the Kesef Mishnah quotes from the Tosefta in Kalim Perek Vav. It says explicitly, That the protections of Tzamid Psil and Ohel work to protect the things inside of them from becoming Tameh, but they don't stop the Tumah from progressing further. So that sounds explicitly like the so Rab Chaim begins his analysis by explaining how the Raivid would explain the Tosefta according to his view. And he explains that there are two ways that a vessel can protect the things inside of it. Either a Tzamid Pesil, which means any sealed vessel prevents the Tumah from coming inside of it, or the vessel can become an Ohel. Let's say someone turns the vessel over and puts it down, so it itself can be an Ohel. And this is based on the Mishnah in Kalim at the beginning of chapter 10. Eloa Kalim Atzilim Tzamid Psil. The following vessels have Tzamid Psil. And then the Mishnah gives a whole list of different materials that are considered Tzamid Psil. So clay galolim, clay avanim, clay adama, clay cheres. Whether it's manure, stone, earth, pottery, etc. Whatever material it is, it works for Tzamid Psil. If the vessel was turned over, so it protects anything under it. So that works as an ohel. So in other words, in this Mishnah, it's saying that there are are two different ways that these vessels can protect the things inside of them. Either if it's tzamid pasil, so it's a sealed container, or if it's turned over and it creates an ohel, so then it protects anything under it. Now, this seems to contradict the Mishnah in Olos chapter 6, which says that Adam and Kalim, people and vessels, can only be an ohel in order to spread the tumah underneath them, but they're not an ohel to protect the things underneath from becoming tame. So this seems to contradict the Mishnah in Kalim because the Mishnah in Olo says that vessels don't protect the things under them as an Ohel. And the Mishnah in Kalim just said that if a vessel becomes an Ohel, it does protect the things inside of it.
So Rab Chaim explains that there's a basic difference between these two Mishnahs. The Mishnah in Alos is talking about the halacha of Ohel, the way the Torah defined it, which is that anything which is considered a tent spreads the Tumah throughout it, and it also protects the things inside of it from Tumah on the outside. That halacha does not apply to a vessel. It only applies to an actual tent or a room or a building, but it doesn't apply to a vessel. So that's what the Mishnah says, that no vessel is considered a chatzit, a barrier to prevent the Tumah from coming inside of it as an Ohel. But the Mishnah in Kalim is talking about the rule of Tzamid Pesil. And it's telling us that within the protection of Tzamid Pesil, there are two formats for this to work. Either if the vessel is an enclosed container, so it protects everything inside of it, or if it's turned over and it functions as an Ohel, then it also protects everything inside of it, but through the mechanism of Tzamid Pesil, and that certainly applies to vessels. The whole rule of Tzamid Pesil applies to vessels. So there's a distinction within the protection of vessels as an Ohel. They can't work as an Ohel to block the Toma from entering, but they do work as an Ohel, which becomes Tzamid Pesil and stops the Toma from coming in. And the flip side of this is that within the protection of Tzamid Pesil, there's two ways for it to work, either as an enclosed container or as an Ohel if the vessel is turned over. And Rab Chaim finds this whole idea in the language of the Rambam in Chaf Aleph. Aleph, the Rambam says, If things which are tzamid pesil, so they're enclosed in the container, are protected from Tumah, then Kal certainly things which are swallowed or under a vessel, which is in Ohel, are also protected. Now Rab Chaim points out, we don't need the Rambam's Kal to find the source for the concept that in Ohel protects things which are under it. That's explicit in the Torah. So the only reason we need the Rambam to find another source for this is because he's talking about vessels and not an actual Ohel. So this language in the Rambam points to exactly what Rab Chaim said, that a regular Ohel protects the things under it, but that only applies to an actual tent or a building. It does not apply to a vessel. A vessel which is turned over does not protect the things under it under the rules of the Torah of Ohel. That's a new halacha of Tzamid Pesil. So that rule that a vessel which is turned over is considered an Ohel to protect under the rule of Tzamid Pesil, that's what the Rambam is deriving from this halacha. For that, we do need a source because that's not explicit in the Torah and that the Rambam derives from the overall protection of Tzamid Pesil that it also applies to a vessel which is turned over and functions as an Ohel. So now having established this, Rab Chaim says the Ravid could easily explain that the Tosefta which says that an Ohel protects the things inside of it, but it doesn't stop the Tumah from going further, is talking about an Ohel of a vessel. It's not talking about an actual tent. It's talking about a vessel which is turned over. So there it's clear that even though it protects the things inside of it as Tzamid Pesil, but it does not stop the Tumah from going outwards. So that would be the case of the Tosefta, where an Ohel, meaning specifically a vessel which is turned over type Ohel, that protects the things inside of it, but doesn't stop the Tumah from going outwards, but a regular Ohel does both protect the things inside of it as well as stop the Tumah from going further. So that's what the Ravid is asking on the Rambam because in the Rambam's case where there's boards built into the house, that's an actual Ohel. That's no longer a vessel and still the Rambam says that the Tumah does not progress further. 
So now the Ravid asks, if the Rambam would have limited this idea that the Tumah continues beyond the Ohel only to a vessel Ohel, then that would be okay. But the Rambam now said that even a full-fledged Ohel, meaning an Ohel within a house, even so, according to the Rambam, it does not stop the Tumah from going further. So now the Ravid asks that it does seem clear that an Ohel blocks the Tumah from going out. But now in paragraph 3, says Rab Chaim, this interpretation for the Ravid of the Tosefta is not going to work internally within the Ravid. Because there is a debate between the Rambam and the Ravid in chapter 21 in this case of a vessel which is overturned. So the rule of Tzamid Pasil is that it needs to not just be enclosed, it needs to be sealed. Otherwise, it doesn't protect the things inside of the vessel. The question is, if the vessel is overturned, does it need to be sealed? Or even if it's just lying on the ground, it still protects the things inside of it. So the Rambam holds that even though a regular tzamid pasil, when a vessel is enclosed, it needs to be sealed. But in this case where the vessel is overturned, since it's functioning as an ohel, even though it's not the traditional ohel that the Torah referenced, but it's an ohel which is derived from tzamid pasil, but it's enough to change the rules that the vessel that's overturned doesn't need to be sealed. So long as it's lying on the ground, it protects the things inside of it. The Ravid disagrees though, and he says, that even in the overturned vessel, it needs to be sealed. Otherwise, it doesn't protect the things inside of it. So there's an important conceptual debate between the Rambam and the Ravid over the vessel that's overturned. According to the Rambam, that's no longer a regular case of Tzamid Pasil. It's now a sort of combination of Tzamid Pasil and Ohel. Whereas according to the Ravid, that's still a full-fledged Tzamid Pasil. And if it's not sealed, then it's not going to protect the things inside side. So if the Ravid holds that an overturned vessel is considered Samid Pasil and not Ohel at all, so then he can't explain that the case in the Tosefta of an Ohel which protects the things inside but doesn't block the Tumah from going outwards is talking about a vessel. Because according to the Ravid, that's not a case of Ohel at all. Even an overturned vessel is a Samid Pasil. The Rambam holds that an overturned vessel is a case of an Ohel, even though it works differently than a regular Ohel. But according to the Ravid, an overturned vessel has nothing to do with Ohel. It's totally a case of Tzamid Pasil. So that cannot be the case of the Tosefta, where the Tumah goes outwards from the Ohel. But says Rav Chaim, this is not so simple in the Ravid that an overturned vessel is not an Ohel at all. It's Tzamid Pasil, because the ruling of the Mishnah was that an overturned vessel protects everything under it ad hatahom, all the way down to the earth. Now that's clearly different than Samid Pasil which only protects the things inside of the vessel. So the fact that the Mishnah is saying that an overturned vessel protects things not only in the vessel but anything underneath it all the way down so that's clearly a distinction between this case and the regular case of Samid Pasil. So now we have to understand this situation because the protection of an overturned vessel is derived from Tzamid Pasil, and that's why in both cases it only protects the things inside but it doesn't stop the Tumah from going outward because the whole rule of Tzamid Pasil is that it protects things inside of it but it doesn't stop Tumah from traveling outwards so we apply that also to the overturned vessel. So if the two cases are so similar why is it that Tzamid Pasil only protects things that are inside of the enclosed vessel whereas 
says the overturned vessel can protect things even that are under it, even though they're not inside of it. If we're deriving the whole protection of an overturned vessel from Tzamid Pasil, so how does it extend beyond or below the overturned vessel? So Rab Chaim explains the reason for this distinction, and it has to do with the overall distinction between a regular Ohel and Tzamid Pasil. A regular Ohel protects anything underneath it all the way down, whereas Tzamid Pasil only protects things inside of them. But says Rab Chaim, that's not based on some fundamental inherent distinction that that the halacha says that an ohel extends beyond itself and its summit pasil doesn't. It's just a technical difference, which is everything under an ohel is considered within the ohel, even things which are deep in the earth. It's all considered under the space of the ohel, as opposed to summit pasil, which only includes things which are inside of it. So the formulation of both of these halachas is the exact same. The Ohel and the Tzamid Pasil only protect things that are inside of it. But what's considered inside of it changes drastically. Inside of the Ohel is anything that's underneath it, even all the way down, as opposed to Tzamid Pasil, which inside of it only means things that are directly in the Kli, not things that are underneath it all the way down. So that's the reason for this distinction between things that are underneath the Ohel versus underneath the Tzamid Pasil. It's not an inherent halachic distinction, but it's that things under an Ohel are still considered in the Ohel, which is not true of a Tzamid Pasil. So now applying that to this case of the overturned vessel, even though the protection is derived from Tzamid Pasil, it's that form of protection in the Torah, but the definition of it is of an Ohel because the vessel is tenting over anything beneath it. So if we apply the halachic definition of an Ohel to this case of an overturned vessel, so anything that's underneath it, even deep in the ground, is considered within the vessel, and that's why it's protected through the mechanism of Tzamid Pasil. So Rab Chaim's come up with a very creative way to apply Tzamid Pasil even to things that are not directly within the vessel, even though ordinarily that's not possible. A regular Tzamid Pasil only protects things that are in the vessel. But in this case where the vessel is overturned, so we apply the halachic definition of Ohel and anything that's underneath it is considered within it. And since the basic protection is derived from the rules of Tzamid Pasil, so this is the rare case of Tzamid Pasil which includes things even that are not directly in the vessel, but are underneath it. So when it comes to this case of an overturned vessel, the basic principle is that we derive the halachas of it from Tzamid Pasil. It's included in that category of protection, not in the category of Ohel. But we only learn out the things that are fundamental to the halachas of Tzamid Pasil, not things which are incidental, having to do with the practical setup of Tzamid Pasil. So that's why there's a basic difference between the issue of things that are underneath the overturned vessel versus whether it stops the Tumah from progressing further. With regard to the issue of things underneath it, even though that's different than the way a regular Tzamid Pasil works, but it's not fundamental to the Halacha. It's just an issue of what's technically considered inside of the vessel. So ordinarily for Tzamid Pasil, it's only things that are actually inside of it and are sealed up. But in this case, because
because we apply the definition of ohel to this overturned vessel, so anything that's underneath it, even deep in the ground, is considered technically inside of the vessel, so it's protected under the rule of tzamid pasil. But when it comes to blocking the tumah, that's not a technical issue, that's a fundamental halachic question, so there the rule is that tzamid pasil does not block the tumah from going further, whereas ohel does stop it from going further. So that's why in the case of an overturned vessel, which is in the tzamid pasil column, it does not stop the Tumah from going further. So now if we apply this framework back to the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid, whether an overturned vessel needs to be sealed in order to protect the things inside. So what they're debating is that the Raivid understands that the sealed aspect of a Tzamed Pesil is integral to the whole Halacha. So the way the Torah formulated this protection is that if there's a sealed container, then it protects the things inside of it. So the sealed detail is part of the whole halacha of what protects and stops the tumah from going inside of it. So in that case, even an overturned vessel needs the sealing because as we said, when it comes to an overturned vessel, anything that's fundamental to the halacha of tzamid pasil, we do apply to that case because the whole protection of an overturned vessel is based on tzamid pasil. So just as the Torah said that when it comes to tzamid pasil, only things that are sealed are protected, so the same is true for an overturned vessel. The Rambam, on the other hand, holds that the requirement for the Tzamid Pesil to be sealed is a technicality because the definition of Tzamid Pesil is that it's sealed. It's not a requirement in order to protect. It's a requirement in order to be defined as Tzamid Pesil. So as we said, anything which is definitional to Tzamid Pesil, it's not fundamental to the Halacha. It's not about how the protection works, but it's about how you have a case of Tzamid Pesil so that we don't apply to the overturned vessel, which has the definition of an ohel. So that's why, according to the Rambam, we don't require the overturned vessel to be sealed because that's defined as an ohel, and an ohel does not require sealing. So the debate between the Rambam and the Raivit is not in how to categorize all these cases. They both agree with the same basic framework, that anything which is fundamental to the Din Hatzalah, to the protection of Tzamid Pesil, applies equally to the case of an overturned vessel. But things which are technicalities in order to create the case of Tzamid Pesil are not necessary for the overturned vessel because that's defined as an ohel, even though the protection in that case comes about through the Tzamid Pesil. So when it comes to stopping the Tumah from going further, that's clearly a fundamental halacha that Tzamid Pesil does not do that. So it applies equally to the case of an overturned vessel. On the other side of the spectrum is protecting things which are not in the vessel, but under the vessel far down. So that's equally clear that it's not fundamental to the Tzamid Pesil. It's just a technicality that only things inside the vessel are considered Tzamid Pesil. But if the vessel's overturned, so then anything underneath it, even far below, is still considered inside of it, so it protects it. The question that the Rambam and the Raivid debate is what about the requirement that Tzamid Pesil needs to be sealed? So 
So according to the Rambam, that's a technicality in order to create the case of Tzamid Pesil, but it does not apply to an overturned vessel. Whereas according to the Ravid, that's fundamental to the whole halacha of how Tzamid Pesil protects the things inside of it. So it does equally apply to an overturned vessel. So now having explained this whole issue better, now that we understand the approach of the Ravid, so it turns out that even according to the Ravid, an overturned vessel does share certain things in common with Ohel because we use the definition of what creates an Ohel in order to apply it to this case of the overturned vessel. So if so, the Ravid could explain that the Tosefta, which says that there's an Ohel, which does not stop the Tumah from going further, is talking about an overturned vessel, which is also in some ways an Ohel, even though the protection comes from Tzamid Pesil, but it's defined as an Ohel. So that is a case of an Ohel, which protects things inside of it, but does not stop the Tumah from going further. So, so far, Rab Chaim's explained the approach of the Ravid and how he's going to explain the Tosefta that seemed to contradict him. Now in paragraph four, Rab Chaim returns to the Rambam and he asks the obvious question that the Ravid asked, how could the Rambam possibly say that an Ohel doesn't stop Tumah from going further when it's clear in the Mishnah that an Ohel certainly does stop the Tumah from going further? And Rab Chaim gives three examples from the Mishnah where this is clear, two of which have been discussed in the earlier pieces. In chapter 9 of Olos, which is about the kaveras, the barrel, so the Mishnah says very clearly that if there's holes in the barrel or if it's very large, so it holds 40 saw, so it's no longer considered a vessel, it's now considered an ohel, if there's tumah underneath the barrel, it blocks it from going up. So that's very clear that an ohel blocks the tumah from progressing further. In chapter 10, which deals with the windows, so again, the Mishnah says very clearly that if there's tumah on the ground floor, the upper floor, the attic, is not tameh. So that's very clear that the floor between them, the ohel, blocks the tumah from going upwards. And again, in chapter 7, it says that if there's a floor, if there's a roof over the tumah, so the tumah does not go go to the upper floors. So again, it's very clear that the Tumah is not able to progress above the Ohel. And even the Rambam himself earlier in Yud Beis Aleph rules like this. We learn that just like an Ohel makes everything underneath it Tame, it also stops the Tumah from going further and any vessels which are on top of the Ohel are Tahar. So the Rambam himself rules explicitly that an Ohel does block the Tumah from going further. So how on earth can the Rambam in these halachas write that an Ohel does not stop the Tumah when not only is he contradicting a few Mishnayos, but he's also contradicting himself? So in order to explain the view of the Rambam, Rab Chaim differentiates between the two different cases and he's going to limit this halacha that the Rambam said that an Ohel doesn't block the Tumah only to a specific case. So the way he gets there is through a conceptual distinction. Rab Chaim wonders why is it that an Ohel would block the Tumah from going further? Is it because the Ohel creates a separate space so we no longer view the space outside of the Ohel as being part of the space in the Ohel. So since the Tumah's in the Ohel, it's not in the space outside of it. And the Torah said anything in a tent becomes Tameh, but not things that are in a separate space. So the Ohel creates a separation between the space inside of it and the space outside of it, so that anything that's inside of the Ohel is not considered to be in the space outside of the Ohel. Or the alternative option is that the Ohel is a barrier. It's 
it's a break against the Tumah traveling outward from the Ohel. Now, the difference between these two formulations would be if there's a temporary Ohel in Ohel Arai within a permanent Ohel in Ohel Keva. So in that case, the Gemara in Sukkah Chaf Aleph says that a temporary Ohel cannot negate a permanent Ohel. So if the Ohel stops the Tumah from traveling outwards because it creates a separate space, so the Tumah inside of the Ohel is not considered in the area outside of the Ohel, so anything in that area outside of the Ohel is Tahor, so that would not apply in this case because since this is a temporary Ohel within a permanent Ohel, so the permanent Ohel overpowers the temporary Ohel, and we don't consider this a division of space within the larger permanent Ohel. So since it's all one area of space, even if the Tumah is within the smaller temporary Ohel, it's going to travel outwards to the permanent Ohel, because there's no division of space in that case. But if we view the tent itself as a barrier that blocks the Tumah from traveling through it, so that would apply even in this case where there's a temporary tent in the permanent tent because since the temporary tent is in fact a tent so it's a block it stops the tumma from going further even though it's not able to negate the larger permanent tent so now we can answer the Rambam that he holds of the formulation that the tent divides the space so that anything in the tent is not considered outside of the tent. So if there would be a temporary tent, an Ohel Arai within an Ohel Keva, so then the Tumah would travel outwards and the tent would not block the progress of the Tumah because it doesn't divide the space within the larger Ohel Keva. So that's the case that the Rambam is talking about when he says that the tent doesn't block the Tumah, it's referring to when there's an Ohel Arai within an Ohel Keva, and the Tumah is in the temporary tent, so there the tent does not block the Tumah from progressing into the larger space of the Ohel Keva. Now, even though the Ohel Arai doesn't stop the Tumah from going outwards, it does protect the things inside of it that they remain Tahor, so why should that be if it doesn't divide the space? Why don't we say that the Tumah in the larger Ohel Keva is going to travel into the Ohel Arai. So Rab Chaim explains, because that's what the Rambam already told us, that in this case, the Ohel becomes a Tzamid Pesil. Not only does the Ohel protect because of the rules of Ohel, but it also protects because of the category of Tzamid Pesil. So even if this Ohel Arai is not going to work as an Ohel, because it doesn't divide the space within the Ohel Keva, but it is going to protect the things inside of it, because it's no worse than it's summit pasil. But if that's the case, that the reason why it protects the things inside of it, that they remain tahor, is because of the category of summit pasil. So that explains why the tumma does travel outwards from the inner tent, because summit pasil doesn't block tumma from progressing further. So that explains the ruling of the Rambam in this case. It's talking about a temporary tent in a permanent tent. So the inner tent can't divide the space because a temporary tent can't overpower a permanent tent. So the space inside of the tent is not divided. So if so, the inner tent should not protect the things inside of it. But it does because at least it's a tzamid pasil, even if it's not an ohel, but it protects the things inside of it as an overturned vessel. But it can't stop the tumah from progressing further. So the tumah inside of the ohel arai does travel outwards to the ohel keva. But that's the only case where the Rambam rules that an ohel can't stop the tumah. If there would be 
two permanent tents or two temporary tents, so neither one overpowers the other, so then even the Rambam would agree that, of course, the tent blocks the Tumah from progressing further. So those are the cases of the Mishnayos and the Rambam himself earlier in chapter 12. It's referring to two permanent tents or two temporary tents, so therefore the tent blocks the Tumah from progressing further. So this is Rab Chaim's approach to answer the Ravid's question on the Rambam by explaining that the Rambam is only referring to a specific case, but overall he accepts the Ravid's idea that a tent does block Tumah. But now Rab Chaim asks on his interpretation of the Rambam that there is a case in the Mishnah of an Ohel Arai within an Ohel Keva, and still the middle tent blocks the Tumah. So that seems to contradict his interpretation of the Rambam. This is in a Mishnah in Alos chapter 4 about the case of a Migdal, a closet. If there's a closet in a house and the Tumah is in the closet, so the house is Tame. But if the Tumah is in the house, so then what's in the closet is Tahor. Because the Tumah from the closet is going to go through the house, but the Tumah in the house is not going to go through the closet. So if there's Tumah in the house, the closet protects the things inside of it. Whereas if the Tumah is in the closet, so the Tumah is going to come out to travel through the house, so the whole house becomes Tameh. Rabbi Yossi disagrees that if there's Tumah in the closet, the whole house is Tameh because he argues you don't necessarily need to travel with the body through the house. There are ways of removing the body either in small pieces so there isn't a full measurement or it could be burned in the closet. So not necessarily does the body need to travel through the house. So the whole house is not Tameh in that case. Then the Mishnah continues with the related case. Let's say the closet is in the doorway and it's facing outward of the house. So then if the Tumah is inside of the closet, the house is Tahor because the body does not need to travel to the house to get out. It can just go straight from the closet outwards. And if the Tumah is in the house, so then what's in the closet is Tameh because since it's in the doorway that the body's going to travel through, so the equation works the other way. That the body is going to travel in the space of the closet. So whatever's in the closet becomes Tameh. So basically the equation reverses itself when the closet is in the doorway. The things in the house are not affected by the closet, but the things in the closet are affected when there's a body in the house. So Rab Chaim points out that these cases are all a question on his interpretation of the Rambam. Because in the case where the closet is in the doorway, so the Mishnah is saying that since the Tumah doesn't need to travel through the house, the rest of the house doesn't become Tameh. But forget about the route that the Tumah needs to take. Even if it doesn't need to go through the house, right now it's in an Ohel Arai, in a temporary closet, which is in an Ohel Keva, the permanent house. So according to the Rambam, that Ohel Arai shouldn't stop the progress of the Tumah at all. So right now, even without the body having to travel, the Tumah should spread throughout the whole house. And similarly, Rabbi Yossi argues that if the Tumah's in the closet, then it does doesn't necessarily need to travel through the house, so the Tumah doesn't spread throughout the rest of the house. But again, forget about the route that the Tumah has to travel. Even
even if it doesn't need to travel through the house, this is an Ohel Arai within an Ohel Keva. And Rab Chaim's interpretation of the Rambam is that the Ohel Arai does not stop the progress of the Tumah in that case. So the closet shouldn't block the Tumah from traveling throughout the whole house. And again, the same question comes up in the Mishnah chapter 9 regarding the case of a Kaveras, a barrel. The Mishnah says that if the barrel is lying in the doorway, if it has holes throughout or it's a futsa, so it's not considered a vessel anymore, it's now considered an ohel. If there's tuma inside of the barrel, the rest of the house is tahor. So the tuma does not travel from the barrel to the rest of the house because since the barrel is considered an ohel, it blocks the tuma from going into the house. But again, this is a case of a barrel, an ohel arai, which is in a house, an ohel keva. And according to the Rambam, the barrel shouldn't stop the tuma at all. So why does the Mishnah say that the tuma in the barrel doesn't travel into the house? So Rab Chaim suggests a very creative answer to this, but he's not sure about it. And he says that the definition of a temporary versus a permanent ohel is not whether an object is there on a temporary basis or a permanent basis. In other words, when we use the phrase arai versus keva here, it doesn't mean a house, which is something permanent versus a box, which is only there temporarily. But rather it refers to the tumah, which is in this ohel, whether it's going to be with the ohel hell permanently or not. So even if the box is going to get moved around, that could still be considered an ohel keva if the tumah inside of it is not going to be removed. Because with regards to the tumah, it is a permanent ohel. So it's not relevant whether this object is going to be physically moved or not. What's relevant is when it's moved, is the tumah going to be in there? In which case it's considered a permanent ohel in the sense that even though it physically moves, but it's always an ohel on this Tumah. And the case of an Ohel Arai then would be if the Tumah is going to be taken out of this Ohel. So using this definition, it means that in the case of the Kaveras and the Migdal, the barrel and the closet, even though they get moved around, they're still considered an Ohel Keva because with regards to the Tumah inside of them, their being in Ohel on that Tumah is going to be permanent because even when they're moved, the Tumah is still going to be inside of them. So it is considered considered an Ohel Keva, and that's why it breaks the Tumah from traveling further. So basically, Rab Chaim suggests a redefinition that Ohel Keva, in this case, doesn't mean something which never moves, but it means that it's always an Ohel on the Tumah or on the objects inside of it, which he calls the Ha'ahala Shibbo. So even if it gets moved, it still has its status as an Ohel. So that's called Ohel Keva, but he's not totally sure about this. Now, in the final paragraph, Rab Chaim ties up one further loose end where the Rambam seems to contradict himself on this issue. Chapter 24, the Rambam writes, If a house was divided with boards, so within the house he created different spaces using these walls or floors, and it doesn't matter if it's vertical or horizontal. So if there's tuma in the house, if there's vessels 
in the area that's walled off by the boards, again, either vertical or horizontal, it protects whatever's inside of that space and it doesn't become tame from the tuma in the house. Now, the flip side, if there's tuma in the space that's walled off by the boards, so the vessels in the house are tame. Because again, says the Rambam, as I explained earlier, a tent does not stop the tuma from progressing further. So if the tuma is in the area which is walled off by the walls, it does travel beyond those walls into the rest of the house and it makes the entire house so one of the cases in this halacha is if the tumah is bein mechitza lekoros, if the tumah is on top of the floor, between the ceiling and the floor, and the Rambam rules that anything underneath it in the rest of the house is all tameh. So this explicitly contradicts the halacha in chapter 24. If someone divides his house with a floor in the middle, and the tumah is on the bottom level, on the ground, so kelim so anything on the top floor is Tameh, because again, says the Rambam, a tent does not stop the Tumah from traveling upwards. But the other way, if the Tumah was on the top floor, so then then anything on the bottom floor would be Tahor, because the tent, the floor in the middle, protects the stuff on the bottom from the Tumah on top of it. So here it's explicit that if the tumah is on the top floor, the stuff on the bottom floor is protected by the ohel, the floor in the middle. So why in chapter 24 in this case did he say that the stuff on the bottom is tameh because the tent doesn't stop the tumah from traveling down? Now Rab Chaim points out that this is not actually a question on the Rambam. This is a contradiction within the Mishnah in Olos chapter 15 itself because both of these halachas are quoted there. But he says within the Mishnah, it's not a problem because you could differentiate between the cases. That in the cases where someone built a floor, it's talking about where the doorway to the whole house is on the second floor. And in the case where someone built a wall, the doorway is on the bottom floor. And the issue that the Mishnah is talking about is sof tumalatzes, not whether the ohel blocks the tumah from going further, but since the Tumah is going to have to travel in the upper part of the house in order to exit, so the whole upper part of the house becomes Tameh. So basically within the Mishnah we could say that a tent not only protects the things inside of it, but it also blocks the Tumah from traveling outwards. So whether there's a floor or a wall, either way, if the Tumah is in one side, it doesn't travel to the other side. The reason why the Mishnah says that if there's Tumah on the bottom floor, the upper floor is Tameh, is because of a separate issue, that since the doorway to the house is on the upper floor, the body is going to have to travel through the upper floor in order to exit. So because of Sof Tomalatzes, the whole thing upstairs is Tameh. So within the Mishnah, this is a reasonable explanation of the two halachas and why there's differences in the Mishnah's presentation. But this is not going to work in the Rambam, because the Rambam is very clear that the issue here is not Sof Tomalatzes. The issue is whether the tent blocks the 
Tuma from progressing. So according to the Rambam, the distinction cannot be where the doorway is, but there seems to be some distinction that sometimes the Ohel blocks the Tuma from progressing and sometimes it doesn't. But why should there be a difference between the case in chapter 20 where the floor blocks the Tuma from going downwards versus chapter 24 where the Tuma does go downwards even though it's on top of an Ohel? And furthermore, Rab Chaim adds that it seems very clear that logic is on the side of the halacha in chapter 20, that the stuff on the ground floor is tahor, because every ohel is considered to be a tent over the stuff that's underneath it. So when there's a floor dividing the house, if there's tuma on the top, attic floor. So of course that floor is considered a tent on the stuff that it's on top of, meaning the stuff on the ground floor. So of course it's going to protect whatever's inside of it from the tumma which is on top of it. But if the tumma is on the ground floor, so then it's able to go through the ohel according to the Rambam and it progresses to the top floor. But how can the Rambam even suggest the opposite in chapter 24 that the floor is considered an ohel for what's on top of it so if there's tuma on top of it, it progresses downwards. That's the opposite of how every ohel works. Generally, an ohel is for the things that are under it. It's not an ohel for things that are on top of it, and then they progress downwards to the things that are under it. So the ruling in chapter 24 seems to go against the whole gist of how an ohel works, that the things that are under it are considered to be in the ohel versus the things that are on top of it. In chapter 24, the Rambam seems to be reversing that equation. So to make sense of this, Rab Chaim says that the Rambam must accept the distinction in the Mishnah where the doorway is based on the rule of Sof Tumalatzes. Even though the Rambam seemed to indicate that this is a different issue, it's not about the route that the Tumah has to travel, it's about whether a tent blocks the Tumah from progressing, but the Rambam has to hold a combination of both ideas together, because either one on its own is not going to explain both of these halachas. So the Rambam holds that in order for the tuma to spread throughout the house, it requires two things. First, sof tuma latzes, that there's a doorway that the tuma is going to travel through. And second, that a tent doesn't block the tuma from progressing. Because if the tent blocks the tuma, so then sof tuma latzes on its own would not create tuma throughout the house. And the explanation for this is because sof tuma latzes just means that the tuma gets transferred throughout the house. But if there would be a halacha that a tent is a barrier, meaning it prevents the transfer of tuma, so then that would overpower sof tumalatzes as well. Just as the tent blocks the tumas ohel from traveling beyond it, so too it would block the sof tumalatzes from transferring the tuma throughout the house. But since the rule is that a tent doesn't block the tuma from going further, so there is no barrier for the sof tumalatzes to transfer for Tuma throughout the house, wherever it's going to travel. The only reason the Tumas Ohel is not traveling throughout the whole house is because of the other idea that Rab Chaim developed earlier. Since the tent separates the spaces, so now there's a division
division of two different areas, and the Tumah is considered in its area, but it's not considered in the other areas. So that's how a tent prevents Tumah from traveling. But that's not an active prevention that it stops the Tumah, that it's a barrier to prevent the Tumah from going further. It's a passive prevention that since the tent divides the spaces up, so the Tumah from one space doesn't go to the next space. But that's just a passive prevention of Tumah from going beyond it. It's not an active barrier to stop the Tumah. So that's why it doesn't block the Sof Tumalatzes. If it was an active barrier, then it would prevent even Sof Tumalatzes. But as a passive barrier, it just means that the Tumah inside the tent is not going to travel beyond that on its own. But if there's Sof Tumalatzes, which is another form of transferring Tumah, so that could go beyond the tent. The Sof Tumalatzes is going to transfer the Tumah from inside the tent to whatever route it's going to take. So that's why the Rambam says that a combination of both of these things, that since the tent is not an active barrier to prevent the transfer of Tumah, and since Sof Tumalatzes is a way to transfer the Tumah beyond the tent, so if both of them are combined, it transfers the Tumah throughout the whole house. So now Rab Chaim suggesting that even the Rambam is going to differentiate between chapter 20 and chapter 24, based on whether the door is upstairs or downstairs. In chapter 24, the door is downstairs. So the Tumah that's upstairs is going to travel through the downstairs. So that's why the whole house, even downstairs, is Tameh. In chapter 20, the door is upstairs. So the Tumah is going to travel from the upstairs straight out. It's not going to go downstairs. So that's why the floor in between protects anything downstairs and the Tumah does not go down there. So the answer for the Rambam is that there is a difference between between these two cases, depending on where the door is. But it's still based on this halacha that a tent doesn't prevent the progress of Tumah. That's the whole basis for the halacha that Sof Tumalatzes kicks in and it's relevant in this case. Because again, as Rab Chaim said, both are needed together that a tent doesn't block Tumah as well as Sof Tumalatzes in order to spread the Tumah. But either one on its own would not be able to do it. Sof Tumalatzes would not be able to overpower a tent that was blocking it. And even if the tent didn't block the Tumah from going further, it would still not spread beyond the tent because the tent divides the spaces up so that the Tumah under the tent is not considered to be in the space outside of the tent. So very brilliantly, Rab Chaim applies his two formulations from earlier as to how a tent would stop the spread of Tumah. And he explains based on that how to resolve this contradiction in the Rambam and why the Rambam believes that it requires a combination of two factors in order to spread Tumah throughout the whole house. But he ends with one question on this approach, which is how in the case where the Tumah is on the attic floor, does it spread downwards through Sof Tumalatzes when that's a full ohel? That's not an ohel that doesn't block the Tumah from leaving, even though it creates another space, because that's an ohel that protects the things under it. It prevents any Tumah from getting into the bottom floor. So that's a full-fledged ohel. Ohel, so it should also prevent the Sof from affecting it. So Rab Chaim's whole idea that a full-fledged Ohel could block Sof is now a problem in this case because how does the Tumah go from the attic to the ground floor based on Sof when that is a full-fledged Ohel that should protect anything underneath it, not only from Tumas Ohel going downwards, but also from 
Sof Tomalatzi. So Rab Chaim answers that if the halacha would be that an ohel prevents the spread of Tumah outwards, then that would mean that an ohel is a full barrier and it stops the Tumah from going in or out. And then it would be true that if the ohel is protecting the things inside of it, it protects them even against Sof Tomalatzis. But since the halacha is that an ohel does not stop the Tumah from going outwards, it only protects the things inside of it. So that means that the way an ohel works is less powerful. It's not a barrier against Tumah, but there's a halacha that an ohel protects the things inside of it without actually preventing the Tumah from being able to enter at all. So if that's the case, just like we said that the Tumah could exit from the ohel through Sof Tumalatzes, so the opposite is also true. Even when the ohel is protecting the stuff inside of it from becoming Tameh, if there's Sof Tumalatzes through this ohel, so then the Tumah will enter into the ohel. So in the last few lines, Rab Chaim sort of recasting the whole concept of Ohel, that it's not a real barrier. Not only is it not a real barrier that it doesn't prevent the Tumah from leaving, but it's also not a real barrier to prevent the Tumah from entering. But rather the way Ohel works is that it divides the different spaces. So the Tumah in one area is not going to travel into a different area. So that's how the Tumah prevents things from outside of it becoming Tameh. And that's also how it protects the things inside from becoming Tameh. So that's the way Ohel works, but that's why Sof Tomalatzes is able to overpower that because even though it's a different space, Sof Tomalatzes is a transfer of Tuma that's going to bring it into that space. So that's why if the Tuma is going to travel through the Ohel, the stuff inside of it would be Tameh. So this is Rab Chaim's approach to explain a very baffling Rambam where he seems to say that a tent does not block the Tuma from continuing onwards, but Rab Chaim explains that that's only limited to a case where it's an Ohel Arai within an Ohel Keva. And then he later adds that this Halacha can also combine with Sof Tomalatzes in order to transfer Tumah. So those are the two cases where this Halacha would apply, but in an ordinary case of two permanent Ohels, so the Tumah would not transfer from one to the other because ordinarily the Rambam agrees with the Raivid that an Ohel does block the Tumah from going outwards. The key conceptual point that Rab develops is that the Rambam understands the reason why an Ohel stops the Tumah from going further is not because it's a barrier but because it creates a divide in the spaces and the Torah said anything under the same Ohel as the Tumah is Tameh but not things that are in another space. And Rab Chaim later adds that this is a passive form of stopping the Tumah from traveling further but it's not an active form which would have been that the tent is an actual block, it's a barrier to prevent the Tumah from traveling onwards, but the way the Rambam formulates it, that it divides the space. So it's not an actual barrier against the Tumah, but rather it's a division of space, which ultimately means that the Tumah doesn't end up affecting the space outside of the tent.